0: All right, all right. Good morning. It's good to see all of you. And uh, man, just a special uh, congrats to Tony. That's awesome, man. Love, love to hear his story. Uh, just love that. What a great story. What a great name, Tony. And uh, it's, it's really great. But uh, but yeah, you know, we just um, baptisms are so special to us because. Baptisms are really uh, the first step of obedience that a person takes when they follow Jesus, and so we say it all the time. But let me just say that if you recently started following Christ, or if you are a follower of Jesus and you haven't been baptized yet, man, you need to get baptized. That is uh, according to Scripture. That would be your first step of obedience to Christ, and so so important for you to check that out. You can uh, you can check on your uh, connect card in those chairs, and we'd love to give you more information on how to go public uh, with your faith in following Jesus. So uh, so this morning we are actually. Actually continuing together in a series that we've been in for the past several weeks that we've been calling "patterns that change us." And so if you are a guest with us here today, if it's your first time here at Grace Church, if you haven't been here in a while, uh, let me catch you up to speed with what it is that we've been doing. So in this series, what we've been looking at is we've been looking at patterns of life, kind of patterns of behavior, patterns of life, that Jesus himself commanded and exhibited that lead to life transformation. And so to put it real simply, here's what we've been saying in the series. We've been saying that Jesus didn't simply come to give his life for us, which he did, but we said even more than that, Jesus also came to show us how to live that Jesus himself exemplified a pattern of life that if we follow him and emulate the pattern of life that he showed us, that we'll be changed, that we'll be transformed by that. And so uh, in this series, we've been looking at these different patterns. We've been talking very practically about what does it look like to put those in your life and how do those actually lead to real change? So we've been discovering those together. So far, just as a way of recapping, we've looked at two patterns so far. And so here are uh, the patterns that we've looked at together. Uh, let's see here, my PowerPoint clicker will work. And uh, so here, here they are, uh, nope, that's not it. Let's see here, sorry about that. Uh, do you wanna fix that back there? Because I can't fix it with my thing real quick. So yeah, th- go back to that slide please, the one prior to that, thank you, sorry. Thank you for your patience. Let's see, okay, so these are, uh, uh, th- okay, don't touch it. Stop, <laughs> qu- qu- quit it. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> The patterns that we've looked at so far is we looked at solitude and community. So we actually spent a couple of weeks uh, talking about these patterns. What does that look like to put in your life? And uh, how does that change us? And then the last couple of weeks, we looked at fasting and feasting. And I just want to encourage you, by the way, if you missed uh, those past weeks, where we talked about those patterns. You can go back. You can watch those. You can listen to those on our podcast, on our app, uh, on our website. All of those are for free. Uh, but today, we're going to continue looking at another pattern, a third pattern together. And so this week. Next week, we are going to look at the pattern of secrecy and confession. Okay, so this is the pattern that we're going to spend some time thinking about this week and next week. So this week, we're going to talk about secrecy. So we're going to talk about this side of the pattern, and then next side, we're going to, next week, we're going to talk about confession, kind of the other side of the pattern. Here's what I think we're going to discover, um, and you can probably already tell just by looking at these two words on the screen. I think what we're going to discover is this, that this pattern right here has everything to do with your private life, okay? So what what this whole pattern is about is it's about the secret places in your life. It's about what you do and who you are when nobody else is watching. And so that's what this pattern has to do with. And that is why, by the way, you probably noticed, I brought with me today this giant portable closet. And the reason I brought this with me is because I thought that this is actually a really good illustration and metaphor of this part of our life, right? The private part of our life. And the reason is because, you know, you actually hear it in the way we talk. A lot of times when we talk about the secret place in our life or the quiet place in our life or the kind of the place that no one sees, we'll talk about it in terms of closets. And so maybe you've heard uh, people say something like this. They'll say, everybody has skeletons in the closet. And what are they talking about? Well, they're saying there's things in here that we've done or that's happened in the past that we don't want anyone else to know about, and so we keep it behind closed doors, we keep it in the closet. Or maybe you hear people say something like this, they'll say, you know, I'm a closet, um, let's just go with, uh, I'm a closet Steelers fan, right? That's not an admission, by the way. But if someone said that, what are they saying? They're saying, there's something I'm ashamed of, which you should be. (laughs) And you're like, and I'm keeping it in here, I don't want anyone else to know that. About me, right? Or how about this? If you hear someone say uh, that a person has come out of the closet, what are they saying? Well, they're saying there's a certain lifestyle that they've been living in private that now they want to bring into the public sphere. And so so all that to say, we talk about our private life in these terms. And so I think this is a really good illustration. Now, here's where I want to go for the next couple of weeks. This week and next week, I want to talk to you and I want to talk to me. I want to talk to us together about this part of your life. Okay, this is what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about your private life. I want to talk to you about what you do and who you are when no one else is watching. Because here's the truth. All of us have closets. We all have the places in our life that nobody sees. The secret life, what happens when no one else is watching. We all have this part of our life. And so for the next couple of weeks, I actually want to talk to you about a pattern that Jesus teaches us as it relates to this portion of our life. Now, Here's what I know, I know that when I say that, when I say, hey, I wanna to talk to you about the closets in your life, I know that for some of you that already makes you a little uneasy. And the reason is because quite honestly, for many of us, there's stuff in here that we don't want other people to see. There's stuff in here, and some of that, you know, is just because the stuff is strange or is weird. Truth is this, we all kind of know this, that for many of us, there is some weird and strange stuff that we do, when no one else is watching. I actually thought it was sort of interesting. I was doing some research this past week and I came across a few articles that actually surveyed the most common quirky things that people admitted to doing when no one else is watching. And so I thought maybe I'd share this with you. I'll give you the top five common quirky things people admit to doing. I promise you these are all appropriate, but let me give you the top five things. We'll count them down, okay? So so here's number five. Number five on the list is this. A lot of people admitted that uh, when they're alone, they will kick dropped items under the couch, table, fridge, or carpet. Right, So you're by yourself, you're eating a little snack, you drop something on the ground, look around, no one's looking, you go ahead and you kick that thing right underneath the table and hope that someone else or the fridge or whatever it might be. Okay, so, so that's number five. Many people admitted that. Number four, number four thing on the list, um, Google your name. So a lot of people admitted, yep, when no one's around, I, I Google myself. I go on to the internet and I see what the public opinion is about me. Google search myself and see what happens in that. Number three, the number three thing people admitted uh, to doing when no one else is watching is make up strange songs to narrate your actions, Right? So you just make up little jingles about whatever you're doing. I'm walking down the hall, eating the snack, and I'm going to kick it under the car, whatever, right? And so we make up... Little jingles about ourselves, that's number three. Number two, the number two thing that most people admit to doing when no one else is watching is uh, play on your phone in the bathroom. Now, I notice many of you are quiet on that one. (laughs) And that's because you do it, that's because you do it. This is why, by the way, you never touch anyone else's phone ever, (laughs) ever. I actually had a, this is so funny, last night I had a guy come up to me and he said, if you Google your name when you're on the bathroom, he said, they call that poogle. And I was like, hmm, never thought about that. So there, there, there you go, that's free. All right, and then the number one thing, the number one thing on every list that I looked at, people admit to doing when no one's watching. My guess is you can probably guess. Can you guess what it is? Can you guess? Pick your nose, number one, the survey says. There it is. So a lot of people admitted that's what they do when no one's watching. All right, now, um, here we go. Moment of honesty. We're in church here. How many of you, show of hands, would admit that you would confess that, yep, one or more of those things, I'd do that when no one else is watching? Come on. You're in church. Can't lie. This is a shame-free zone, right? Okay, cool. All right, well, I'm just going to let the people around you guess which one you are and uh, leave that a mystery. Just don't, don't shake anyone's hands on the way out. You know All right, so the reason I show that to you is because, yeah, we all do quirky, weird things when no one is watching, and to be honest, some of those things don't really have any real impact on your life, Like, whether or not you pick your nose when anyone else is watching isn't really going to impact your life all that much, but the truth is, and I think we all know this, that a lot of what happens, much of what happens in here actually does have a very, very serious impact on your life, that what happens in here plays a major role in who you are. I actually love the way Blaise Pascal said it. Blaise Pascal, as some of you know, is a 17th century French mathematician, philosopher, and theologian. And here's what he said. I thought this was a really great quote. He said this, what you are by yourself is who you are. What you are by yourself is is who you are. And I really like that quote. And I think the reason I like it so much is because I think what Pascal is saying is I think he's saying that your secret life, your hidden life, is actually the truest part of who you are. It's actually the truest aspect, that if you really wanna discover what is the most authentic aspect of your life. At Pascal would say, well, that's easy. You just have to observe who you are when no one else is watching. You just have to look at what you're doing when no one else is around. Your private life is the way to understand really who you are. And I think that makes sense, doesn't it? Because if you think about it, when no one else is looking, when you know you're behind closed doors, you feel the most free to be yourself, don't you? You don't feel the pressure of uh, the opinions of others pressing in on you. You don't feel the need to act in a way that's socially appropriate, necessarily. You don't feel um, the judgment of other people uh, pressing in on you. You don't feel like you need to perform for anyone else. And I think because of this, because who you are when you're by yourself is who you really are, I think because of that that's true, that it's no surprise that Jesus has so much to say about this part of our life. In fact, I don't know if you know this or not. Some of you are followers of Jesus. Some of you are still investigating the whole Jesus thing. But what you might not know is that the Bible, that in the Bible, you see that Jesus actually has a whole lot to say about this part of our life. And I think it's because Jesus doesn't just want outward behavior and behavior modification from us. I think he wants full life transformation. And full life transformation happens from the inside out. And so it's no surprise that Jesus talks about this part of our life. And so let me just kind of tell you uh, where we're going for the next couple of weeks. And let me just put it as simply as I know how to put it. What we're going to discover the next couple of weeks is that what Jesus teaches about this part of our life is actually the exact opposite of the way that most of us interact with this part of our life. The pattern that Jesus is gonna give us over the next couple of weeks, I think is such a paradigm shift. It is so paradoxically opposite of the way that most of us us think. So let me try to explain it this way. I'll explain it as simply as I know how to do it. So basically what we're gonna discover is that all of us do good stuff and all of us do bad stuff, all right? So just to make it as simple as I know how to do it. So we all do good stuff. And what I mean by that is good things would be like good stuff for God, uh, good stuff for other people, uh, good stuff in helping, serving, caring for the needs of other people. all of us would say that, yeah, we do, we do good stuff, and we also do bad stuff, like there 's bad stuff that we do. The Bible might call that sin right? And so these would be things that would be offensive towards God. These would be things that we're ashamed of, things that are hurtful to other people. These might be shameful addictions or habits or those type of things that that whatever, you know, whatever that might be. And here's the way that most of us operate and myself included. I think naturally the way that we all operate is that we all want to take the bad stuff. We all want to take the bad stuff and we want to hide that in here. Right? We want to keep that in the closet. We want to make sure that nobody knows those things about us. And we want to make sure that no one really can see that part of us. And what a lot of us do is on the other side, we all want to take the good stuff, we we'll to take the good things that we do, and we want to make sure that everybody knows that about us. We want to make sure everyone can see the good things that I do for God and the good things that I do for other people, right? That many of us operate this way. Now, that's just true. I think that's just true for all of us, that naturally we are inclined to deal with this space of our life in that way. But what Jesus is going to teach us, and again, I'm just telling you, this is just such a paradigm shift. Jesus is actually going to teach us that in this part of our life, he wants us to practice a different pattern. And what is the pattern? Well, here's what we're gonna see. Jesus is gonna say that he actually wants us to take good stuff, good things that we do for God and others, and he actually wants us to hide that in here. And then Jesus is gonna go on to say that he wants us to take the bad stuff, the sinful things, the hurtful things, the addictions, the habits, and he actually wants us to get them out of there. And this, like I said, is simply as I know how to say it, is the pattern of secrecy and is the pattern of confession. And so that's what we're gonna talk about this week and next week, is what does that look like? Now again, I know for some of you, even, even as I'm saying this, this is a whole new brand, way, brand new way of thinking. You've never heard anything like that before. And so you might be thinking, well, where are you getting this from? Well, let me show you. So if you got a Bible, why don't you grab your Bible with me and why don't you turn to Matthew chapter six. Okay, Matthew chapter six is where we're gonna plant ourselves here this morning as we talk about secrecy. So Matthew six, by the way, It's found on page 678 in those Bibles that we have provided for you. So if you didn't bring a Bible, feel free to use one of those. And let me say, if you don't own a Bible, like if you don't physically have a copy of the Bible, please feel free to take one of ours. We'd love for you to, to have a Bible. So Matthew 6, and as you're getting to Matthew chapter 6, let me just give you a small amount of context. So we're actually gonna be picking up Jesus's most famous sermon. This is gonna be right in the middle of Jesus's most famous sermon, a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is going to be teaching here in Matthew chapter six about the topic of secrecy, about the topic of what we do when no one else is watching. And I want you to notice how he starts this teaching. So let's begin in verse one. Here's what Jesus says, talking about the topic of secrecy, about the closet places in our life. He says this, he says, be careful, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. All right, so let's just hit pause. So Jesus begins his teaching on secrecy with a warning. He says, be careful. And uh, that's actually kind of interesting. Some of you might have different translations. In different translations, it might say, beware, or it might say, watch out. And so again, you see, Jesus starts this teaching about this place of our life with a warning. And he starts off by saying, be careful, be careful, beware right? That watch out. Watch out for what? That you don't practice your righteousness in front of other people to be seen by men. Now, let me help you out here a little bit. Righteousness, if you're, if you're kind of a person that's not a, a church person, that might sound like a real churchy word, righteousness. It's a word we don't really use all that you know, that much in our common vernacular. But the word righteousness, just real simply, what that's referring to is it's referring to our good stuff. That's what it's talking about. It's the good things we do for God. It's the good things we do for other people. And so what Jesus says is he says, be careful, be careful. Watch out that you don't just simply do your good stuff so that other people can see it, so that it's in front of people. And notice what he says. He says this. He says, otherwise, if you do that, he says, uh, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So he says, if, if, if you're not careful, you will forfeit the reward that your heavenly father wants to give you. To which some of us might be saying, what kind of reward is he talking about? We're gonna get to that here in just a second. So Jesus says this, and now he's gonna go on and he's actually gonna give us three examples, three examples of what he means. And the examples are gonna be the example of giving, the example of prayer, and then the example of fasting. All right, so let's just take a look. Here's what Jesus says, verse uh, number two. He says this, so when you give to the needy, when you give to the needy, all right, let me just clarify this for a second. So um, some of you might be aware of this. When Jesus was teaching this sermon, he would have been teaching to a Jewish audience. So it would have been Jewish men and women who were devoutly religiously Jewish people. And the type of giving that he's referring to here. Is actually a very specific kind of giving, and so um, some of you might have translations that say alms giving or when you give of alms. And what that's referring to is a Jewish person. They would have given a tithe, which was a tithe means tenth, so they would have given a tenth of their income to the things of God. They would have given something called an offering, and then they would have also done something called alms giving. Now, alms giving was basically a spontaneous unscripted, kind of unstructured form of generosity. It was like someone has a need, you just give to it. There's a beggar on the street, you just give it to that person. That was almsgiving. And so here he says, when you give to the needy, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have already received their reward. They've received it in full. And so Jesus says, hey, when you give, Don't trumpet blast it out to everyone so they can see you and think you're awesome. he says, conversely, look at this, verse 3, but when you give, when you, when you the disciples, those who follow me, when you give, he says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That's a cool little phrase. It's an interesting little phrase, isn't it? Uh, A lot of people have pondered over what does Jesus mean by that? Is Jesus saying that we should give in a way that we even trick ourselves? And uh, it's actually interesting. If you dig into it, uh, uh, that's actually, it's actually a very common proverb that was used back in Jesus' time. And it's just a clever way of saying, be discreet. That's the whole point. Be so discreet, be so sneaky that it's almost like you're even, your left hand is even unaware of what your right hand is doing. Be so discreet, be so sneaky. Go out of your way to make sure that you keep this thing a secret. In fact, look what he says next. He says, don't let, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be, now here's the key, in secret, in secret. And then your father who sees what's done in secret is going to reward you, is going to reward you. Jesus goes on. He gives a second example. Look at this, verse five. He says, and when you pray, when you pray. Now again, just to clarify The uh, average Jewish person back in this time would pray three times a day. And so there was three structured times during the day that you would pause and pray. They would pray at other times as well, but they would kind of make this a rhythm in their life. And Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, he says again, for they love standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And he goes on, he says this, he says, but when you pray, when you pray, my disciples, Go into your room. Now, it's kind of interesting is some of you have translations that say, go into, your, go into your closet. He says, go into a private place, go to a secret spot, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen, and then your father who sees what's done, here's the key, in secret, will reward you. you start starting to notice a theme here, right? You're starting to notice this. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, when it comes to your good stuff, when it comes to giving, when it comes to prayer, He says, don't be like the hypocrites. See, what the hypocrites do is they stand out on the street corners and they go into the synagogues and they blast it out. They're like, look, everyone, look at this thing that I am doing, I am giving, I am praying. And Jesus says, don't do that. He says, if you do that, you've already got your reward. He says, but if you're my disciple, for those who, I want you to practice a different pattern. And what is the pattern? He says, I want you to take that. And when you give, I want it to be almost as if your left hand isn't aware of what your right hand is doing. He says, when you pray, I want you to go into your closet and I want, you to, I want you to shut the door. And I want you to pray to your father who is in secret and he will reward you. He goes on, he gives a third example. Bounce down to verse 16, look what he says. He says, and when you fast, when you fast. Now, uh, back in this time, devoutly Jewish people would have fasted twice a week. They would have fasted on Monday and on Thursday. He says this, when you fast, don't look somber like the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their word in full. Now, what Jesus is talking about there is he's actually talking about the religious leaders. So the religious leaders, what they would do, history tells us, is when they fasted, they would would, um, deliberately make themselves look disheveled. So they would, you know, keep their bedhead intact and then they would take flour they actually would take flour and they'd put flour on their face as a way of making themselves look more pale and sickly in hopes that people would ask them. Like so they would go out in public and they'd be like, Oh, and people would be like, Boy, you look terrible, man. I'm like what's the matter? Are you sick or something? And they would say, No, no, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm 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 fasting. And people would be like, oh, you're fa- yes, I'm fasting for the Lord. I'm fasting for the Lord. And then people would go, wow, that's so amazing. You must be so godly. God must think you're so awesome. And they would say, no, 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 please don't say anything. Please don't, 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 don't. It's all for God, all for God. That's what they would do. And Jesus is like, don't do that. Don't do that. He says, instead, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. And that sounds weird to us. But uh, that would have been like back in this time saying, like, take a shower, right? Like, like comb your hair, put on some cologne or perfume or something, so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And here's the key. And your father who sees what's done, say it with me in secret, right? That's the whole point here. He's going to reward you. Now, you notice, you look at all three of these, these different circumstances, you will notice there is a striking amount of similarity between these three things. In fact, I just kind of diagrammed it out, but you'll notice that in all three instances, with giving, with praying, and with fasting, that Jesus is addressing two very specific audiences. And the two people that he is, the two people groups that he is comparing, you'll notice, are the hypocrites, people that he calls the hypocrites, and then those who are his true disciples, That's what he's comparing in this. And you'll notice, like when you look at the language of all three of these instances, that there is, uh, some, there's three common features in all situations. And those features are that in each, each you know, example, there's a setting, there's an audience, and then there's a reward. So you notice this, all three instances of giving, praying, and fasting, Jesus is gonna point out that there's a setting, there's an audience, and there's a reward. And he contrasts the difference between the two. And so, for example, with the setting, the hypocrites and the disciples, you can see it real obvious. The setting is in public with the hypocrites. They do everything in public, on the street corners, in the synagogues, to be seen by other people. Whereas the disciples, true disciples, are doing all of these things in secret. They're doing all of these things in the closet, in the quiet places of their life. Now that might seem uh, easy enough to understand, I think at first glance, but at this point, some of you, this might be, this whole thing Jesus is saying might be causing you to ask a question. And the question that you might be asking is this, is Jesus telling us, that it's wrong for us to ever do good stuff in such a way that other people see it? Is is that what Jesus is teaching? Is Jesus saying that it's wrong for us us to ever do good things that can be recognized by other people? Like, is Jesus saying that it's wrong for us to tell people we're fasting? Is it wrong for us to, like, tell people we're praying Is it wrong for us to pray with other people? Is it wrong for us to give in such a way that the person that we're giving to, giving to knows that we've given to them? Is it wrong for us to give in such a way that we're recognized for it? Like, is it wrong to get tax credit for giving, right? And I think some of us might be asking that question. And so let me just give you the short answer. The short answer is um, no. That's actually not what Jesus is saying, not at all. And the reason I know that, the reason I know that's not what Jesus is saying is because of what Jesus says one chapter before this, just one chapter before Matthew chapter six and Matthew chapter five. In the same sermon, same sermon, Jesus also says this, look at this, this is Matthew five. In the same way, Jesus says to his disciples, let your light shine before others, before others that they may see your good deeds and they might glorify your Father. So so you see what's happening, right? Matthew 5, Jesus says, "Um, do your good stuff so that other people can see it. And then in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, don't do your good stuff so that other people can see it. To which we're like, oh, now I'm confused. Like, which is it, Jesus? Like, what am I supposed to do here? And uh, and listen, here's what I think it is. I think you know this as well. I think Jesus is saying... um, Both, it's actually both. I don't think it's that Jesus is concerned about us doing good things when other people are watching. I think what Jesus is concerned about is when we only do good things when other people are watching. And that's why I think Jesus says, be careful. I think that's why he says, watch out because there actually can be a danger. Yeah, do good things so that other people can see them. Of course, yeah, fast with other people, pray with other people, give to other people. It's wonderful, do those things, absolutely. But Jesus is saying, but be careful, but be careful. Because when when the only time you ever do those things is when other people are around and and and, and that's it and it never happens, he says, that actually can lead to a very dangerous condition. And I think that the whole key to what Jesus is saying here is actually found in understanding this word right here. It's all this word hypocrite. The word hypocrite. Some of you might know this, the word hypocrite in the original Greek language was the same word that was used to refer to actors. It means to be an actor. And basically it was used of people who would put on a performance or put on a show to try to trick people to believe something about them that wasn't actually true. That's what hypocrisy is, right? And what Jesus is saying here is he's saying don't be like the don't be like the hypocrites. Because I think as a lot of us know, what what the difference between the hypocrites and the disciples is, is it's really the audience. It's the audience in which they're performing for. And so with the hypocrites, you see that it's always others. It's always, it's always to be seen by other people. But with the disciples, it's always the audience is always an audience of one. It's go into the private places so that you can pray to your Father who sees what's done in secret. It's always that audience. Here's what I think Jesus is saying. And I'm just telling you, I think this is so important. If you don't remember anything else I say today, I hope you just remember this. I think the reason that Jesus tells us that we should practice righteousness in secret is because Jesus understands this, that secrecy, secrecy reveals authenticity. That secrecy reveals and shows and fosters authenticity fosters authenticity. I love the way that John Stott put it. John Stott is an author and a theologian. He said this, he said, God hates hypocrisy. He hates hypocrisy. He hates it when we're fake, but he loves reality. God loves truth. And so that's why it's, it's, it's only when we are aware of his presence that our giving, our praying, and our fasting is gonna be real. And I love what he's saying there because I think the reason that Jesus commands his followers to practice good deeds, in secret is because it fosters authenticity. If you think about it, I was thinking about this this week, I think that practicing secrecy the way that Jesus commands us to, practicing our good stuff in private, I think in some ways it's almost like a form of abstinence. It's almost a form of abstinence. You're like, well, what are you abstaining from? Well, I think in doing good things alone when no one else is watching, it is, it is abstaining from the need to be recognized from other, by other people. I think it's abstaining from human recognition. And I think that that's really important because I think it's very liberating and it's very freeing. I think that secrecy liberates us from the incessant need that so many of us have, and myself included, to be seen and to be recognized and to be approved and to be affirmed by other people. I think secrecy frees us from people-pleasing from the need to to try to control the way that other people perceive and think about us. I think Jesus wants us to be free from that because here's what I think all of us know. When all my good stuff needs to be seen by other people, I think what it reveals is it reveals that I'm actually trying to find my identity and my value in what other people think of me. And like I said, that can be a form of slavery, Because if I'm doing that, I'm only as good as my last performance. I'm only as valuable as my last interaction with other people. And Jesus says, I want you to be free from that. Because secrecy is a way of fostering and revealing authenticity. I'll tell you what I think is so cool too about Jesus' teaching here. What I love so much is that in Jesus' teaching, that in all in, in every instance, he always ends by talking about a reward. I actually think this is staggering. So Jesus says about the hypocrites, he says they've already received their reward in full. That's what he says about all three of them. He says, yeah, their reward has been given to them by other people. And what is their reward? Well, I think the reward is pretty obvious. Their reward is being seen by other people. Uh, The reward of ostentatious religion is to simply get the recognition that they were seeking. That's what it is. So Jesus is saying, you wanted to be seen by other people. You were seen by other people. You got what you wanted. You wanted people to look at you and say, wow, you're awesome. And they're looking at you and they're saying, wow, you're awesome. So there you go. You got the thing you wanted. But Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, but for you, for those of you who practice these things in secret, he says, there is a reward that's going to come from your father. Your father in heaven is going to reward you. Now, I don't know about you, but that statement is very, very interesting to me. Uh, as I've been studying this passage over the past couple of weeks, I've just been thinking about that. I've been like, man, why does Jesus, what, what, what is this reward that he's talking, what is that reward? And, and the reason I found it so interesting is because if you're anything like me, I've always been taught, like my whole life, that the reason that you do good things is not to expect a reward. That's what I've been taught. I've been taught you do good things because you're supposed to do good things. Out of the goodness of your own heart, you should not expect anything back in return, right? You should do good things because it's the right thing to do, and that's why you should do good things. And many of you have been taught that too. And so maybe for you, this idea of getting a reward feels kind of weird because you're like, well, I don't know. I thought I was supposed to do good things to do good things. And let me just say that if you think like that, apparently Jesus doesn't agree with that. Because Jesus, three times, in fact, four times in this passage says, your father's going to reward you. Your father's going to reward you. Now, again, some of you are like, I don't like that. I don't want to do things for reward. Let me just say that if that's you, that's fine. But just be prepared that your heavenly father's probably going to reward you anyway. Because Jesus said he was going to. And so some of you are like, well, okay then. What exactly is that reward? What kind of reward are we talking about here? And, uh, and so, well, let me just say this. Uh, we don't actually know because Jesus doesn't directly say what the reward is, but I have a theory. So maybe I can just tell you my theory. And I just wanna tell you without getting into all the details, I think I'm 97.3% sure I know what the reward is. 97 point, let's say 97.4. I'll, you know, I'm fairly certain because of what other passages of the Bible say that I don't have time to get into. So think about it this way. If you disagree with me, you can talk to me afterwards. But here's what I think the reward is, okay? So um, my wife and I, we've been married for 12 years now. We've been married. And um, I want you to imagine a scenario where my wife, Jessica, and I, that whenever we were in public, all right, I was like a rock star husband, I mean like chick flick certified, like the best husband ever. I would hold the door for her. I would wear a shirt that says, I love my wife, right? I would uh, would, like dote on her. I would like be like, she's the best. She, I would buy her flowers and then I would present them to her in front of all of you. I'd be like, my wife is amazing. She's the best. And then I would like serenade her by playing Ed Sheeran songs, <laughs> like in front of all you guys. Let's say I did all that. And let's just say I had all of you convinced that I was just the best husband on earth. And you guys were like, he's such a good husband. All you ladies would be like, why I wish you were more like Panther Tony was, right? And like, <laughs> let's just imagine that happened, all right? Now, in that same scenario, let's imagine that whenever we were by ourselves, like my wife and I were together, we were at the house or whatever, that when it was just the two of us, that I functionally acted as if she didn't exist. And so if she was in one part of the house, I would go to the other part of the house. And let's say that when she wanted to talk to me, I would just just dismiss her. I don't want to talk to you. Just, just don't bother me with that. Whenever she wanted to share something with me about her day, I was like, whatever. I'm watching TV or whatever. Just I'm not right now. Or imagine that whenever she asked me to help her with, hey, can you help me move this? Can you help me do this? I was like, look, just don't, don't bother me with that, okay? You just take care of it yourself. You're gonna have to figure it out. Now, let me ask you a question. If I was to do that, if I was to just dote on her in public, but then when we're in private, I just was to ignore her, do you think that I would have her fooled? <laughs> do you think for a minute that she would be like, we have a great marriage? No way. Do you think that she'd be okay with that? No, she wouldn't be a, you know, you know what she would call me? She would say, you are a hypocrite. And probably other things as well. She would say that, right? But she'd say, you're acting. You're being an actor. You're putting on a show and you're using me. You're using me to gain accolades, to gain affirmation from other people. Now, now I might have you fooled, but I don't have her fooled. Now, I want you to imagine in that same scenario, imagine that if I started to foster a private relationship with her, where I began to do those same things, but I began to do them when it was just the two of us. Imagine that I'd get her flowers, leave her notes. Imagine that I would, we'd get a date night and have someone watch the kids and we'd, I'd listen to her and we'd share our heart with each other. Imagine if I took her out of town occasionally and we, we got away and we got to spend some time together alone. Let me ask you, if I started to do that, what would happen? I'll tell you what would happen. Here's what happened. I would get the reward, right? Now I know what some of you are thinking, and that's not what I'm talking about. That's it's part of it. It's part of it. Not, I'm not denying that. But what is the reward? Here's the reward. You know what it is. I know what it is. The reward is her. She's the reward. I get her heart. I get access to a real, authentic relationship with her. I get the strength of having a strong marriage that will fortify us for whatever life has to throw at us. Now, let me ask you a question. If you were to nurture this space with God and you were to spend time with him in these places and practice righteousness, what is the reward? Can I tell you what I think the reward is? I don't think the reward's more stuff. I don't think the reward is that you're gonna get the pay raise and a promotion and the nice new car you wanted. I mean, those things are fine, but come on, those are shallow. I think what Jesus is after, he's the reward that you get a relationship with him that's real and that's authentic, that will fortify you for whatever life has to throw at you. See, I believe that Jesus' teaching on secrecy is an invitation into an authentic relationship, an abiding relationship with Christ. All right, so here's the question with the short time that we have remaining. What are some practical ways that we can practice this teaching in our own lives? So let's just get real practicals, practicals we know how to get. Now, my guess is, even as I started talking about this, this whole idea, that some of you already started having some ideas and that's great, maybe you start there. But let me give you some other suggestions, maybe just to consider as you're thinking about implementing this pattern in your life, because I promise this is a pattern that will change you. It just, it will, it'll change you. Um, so what are some suggestions? Here's, here's the first one. I would say here's a great starting place. In light of what Jesus teaches on secrecy, a good starting place might be to examine your own heart and talk to God. Okay, so here's what I mean by that. And For those of us who follow Jesus, this is a great starting place. Even if you don't follow Jesus, I think this is a great starting place. Examine your heart, talk to God, and maybe process through some, of que- some questions like this. Here's just some example questions to think through. Here, here's one, what areas in my life do I tend to seek acknowledgement or accolade? All right, so I want you to think, think about it right now. Just think about this. Where in your life currently do you tend to seek out, to seek after acknowledgement or accolade? Where do you find that to be true in your life? And it can be different for different people, right? How about this one? Where do you tend to exaggerate? What is the the places in life where you feel the temptation or the proclivity to inflate or to highlight or to emphasize or overemphasize or maybe even lie about certain things because you want other people to think something about you? Where do you see that in in your own heart, in your own life? And then there's this one. Where do you crave affirmation the most? Where do you want people to affirm you? You just, man, I just want people to recognize this. I want people to know this. I want people to affirm this. I want people to celebrate this. Where is that in your life? Now, now please hear me. I don't think it's wrong to be recognized or affirmed or to be encouraged. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think that if you look into these things, that these questions are helpful in revealing areas in, in your life where you need the transformation that only secrecy can bring. This actually might reveal places in your life where you need to practice secrecy the most because it reveals that maybe you're trying to find your value and your significance in the opinion of others and not in the opinion of your heavenly father. And so it might be worth considering. Here's the second thing. Um, In situations where I'm inclined to use my position, my actions or accomplishments to inflate others' opinions of me, maybe there's a spot where I need to choose to remain quiet, choose to stay quiet. Now, what I mean by that is this, if you find yourself in a situation where you are inclined to wanna use your position, so maybe your position in the company, your position in the organization, your, your title, your accolades, your degrees, your whatever, whatever it is, when you find yourself tempted, to wanna to use those things to inflate others' opinions of yourself. Maybe you wanna to choose to stay quiet. Now again, hear me. I'm not saying that it's wrong to tell people who you are or what you've done. That's not what I'm saying. But I think we all know that there are certain times when we find ourselves saying certain things, we're like, why did I even say that? that? There's no reason for me to even bring that up. And so maybe in those spots, it's good just to stay quiet. You know who is really great at this one, by the way? You know who's really great at this? Probably no surprise to you, Jesus. Jesus was really good at this. Um, It's interesting, when you look at the scriptures, one of the things that you'll find if you go through the gospels, I think it's really interesting, is that oftentimes when Jesus heals someone or helps somebody, do you know what he does so frequently? He'll heal someone and help someone and then he'll look at him and he'll say, "Um, hey, don't tell anybody about that. Don't tell anyone what I just did. And, and you read it, and you're like, why is he doing that? He'll heal someone, he'll help someone, and he'll be like, hey, don't tell anyone, which is so weird, because you're like, Jesus, I thought you wanted people to follow you. And he's constantly telling people, hey, don't say anything about what I just did for you. Why is he always doing that? Well, I think part of it is because of this. I think this is maybe part of it right here, is because he understood the value of secrecy. Or how about this? Did you, do you know what Jesus's favorite title was to use to refer to himself? His favorite title to refer to himself was son of man. And so that was a messianic reference from the Old Testament. But isn't it interesting that he chose the most humble of the references? So he'd say, I'm the son of man. So Jesus didn't walk into a room and he wasn't like, hey, uh, Messiah, son of God at your service, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, nice to meet you. Like he didn't do that. He called himself the son of man. And I think it's because of these reasons right here. So maybe you wanna consider that. Here's one, super practical This week, seek out ways to give or serve in secret. Okay, so it's real practical. This week, maybe you wanna pray for and listen for opportunities to give or to serve another person in secret. So pay attention, man, In in your family, in your workplace, in your life group, in your neighborhood, at your school. Listen for, are there needs? Are there ways that I can serve? Are there ways that I can give? And maybe I can meet that need or I can serve in such a way that no one else needs to know about it. Imagine if you did that. That would be an awesome thing to do this week. Imagine what it would look like if you said, you know what, this week at work, I'm going to do something that's going to advance the company. I'm going to do something to serve my coworkers. And I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm not going to even let my boss know about that. Imagine. And then just delighting the in the anonymity of it. Imagine that. Imagine what it would look like if you heard about a need and you said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to meet that need. And I'm going to not let my left hand know what my right hand is doing. And I'm going I'm to slip some, a check, or not, not a check because it's got your name on it. I'm going to slip some money in an envelope and I'm going I'm to slip that to that person in their mailbox or whatever when they're not watching. And then I'm just going to, I'm going to delight in the fact that not every good thing that I do needs to see the light of day. Imagine that. Imagine what it would look like if you knew your neighbor had a need or there was a way you could encourage them. And so you went and you dropped something off on their doorstep, and then you ding-dong ditched them. You rang the doorbell, and then you ran and laughed because you didn't want to get caught. Imagine that, just imagine what that could, and then just delighted in the fact that no one has to know. It's just between you and God. Imagine if you were in the checkout line or the, uh, the, the drive-through at Dunkin' Donuts, and you just decided, I'm gonna pray for, and I'm gonna pay for the car behind me just gonna do it. I'm just gonna pray for them and pay for them. And before they even get up to the window, I'm gonna be gone. I don't even want them to see my car. Imagine that, or if you're real generous, what if you did that at Starbucks, right? Imagine that, that'd be something. And all I'm saying is just catch a vision for what this could look like in your life. I think what Jesus calls us to in practicing secrecy is anything but boring. I think it's an exhilarating way of life that he calls us into. Here's a consideration. Consider taking a break from social media. Um, I know that for some of you, this might sound totally unrelated, but I don't think it is. Uh, You know, if you think about it, social media is an amazing thing. It really is. It's an amazing way for us to be connected. Social media is really, in a lot of ways, it is the public sphere of our time. And so people don't gather on the street corners anymore. The way that we see each other and that we expose certain aspects of our life to each other is really through social media. And so maybe you want to consider just taking a break. And the reason I think that's important is because social media, many of us know this, social media is wonderful, but it can oftentimes fuel our desire to be seen. And so when you find yourself that you always have to check how many people liked that photo or how many people commented on that post that you made or whatever that might be, when you find that your emotional health is tied to how many people are responding to the things that you're posting, I think that might be a good sign. And maybe you need to take a little break. We talked about fasting a couple weeks ago. This is something you can fast from. Maybe say, you know what, I'm gonna take a couple weeks. I'm gonna unplug from social media and I'm gonna work on this. I'm gonna work on this. And then I'm gonna come back, I'll come back. But for right now, I'm gonna work on this. That might be a great idea. Might be a great idea for some of you. Jesus says, be careful, be careful. And I think this is one of those areas where we can be careful. Um, Here's one, pay attention to the times that you feel like you want to trumpet your good deeds to others. So this week, I just, I just think this is helpful. Just pay attention. When you're in conversations, when you're talking with other people, when you're on social media, before you say something that you know, you, you're like, this is, I'm saying this because this is like a good thing that I've done or this is something I want people to know. Before you actually say that, and I'm not saying don't say it, maybe you still say it, but I'm just saying pause beforehand and just maybe ask yourself this question and ask God this question, why? Why do I wanna say this right now? Why do I wanna make sure this person knows about this? And maybe you just wanna take a moment and say, you know what, I'm not gonna say that. I'm gonna refrain. You know what? I'm gonna keep that one a secret. I'm not gonna tell anyone about that, in fact. I think we all know this. Every good relationship has inside jokes and has inside experiences. Like every good relationship has those. I think that your relationship with your heavenly father should have that as well. I think there should be some stuff that you're just like, God, that one's just between me and you. Remember that? That was awesome. I think that's healthy. It's healthy for your relationship. Here's the last one. Choose to keep a specific spiritual practice a secret. And so um, I think this one's big. You know, we're talking about these patterns, fasting, and we're talking about solitude, and we're talking about praying in a couple weeks. We're talking about all these. And I think that, of course, like we just said, it's not wrong to fast with other people. It's not wrong to let other people know that you're fasting. It's not wrong to pray with other people, so on and so forth. But I think that there probably is room to say, you know, maybe some of these things, I'm gonna keep quiet. Maybe I'm gonna to choose to do a fast and I'm not gonna tell anyone about it. Maybe I'm gonna to choose to pray. I'm gonna pick some time and quiet and let no one else about that. I think that, that is something we see in Jesus's life and it is a pattern that will change us. I'm gonna ask the band to come up at this point. And, um, and as they do, as we kind of close out, I just wanna end with this one last thought and then we'll pray and we'll be finished. But here's what I think all of us know. I think all of us know this. I think we know that what happens in here, in the private places of our life, impacts our public life, that these two spaces, the public space and the private space, that it is a mistake for us to think that they are unrelated to each other and don't impact one another, because they do. Because the truth is that what happens in here, what happens in here will spill over into your life out here. And I'm just telling you that is a reality that I think all of us know I think we all know that, that your private life matters, and it will impact your public life, and what's in here will eventually come out into this space as well. Now, that is a truth, and that is a reality that you can either pay or you can earn. You can earn. I actually was thinking about this. I really love, there's an AA statement, Alcoholics Anonymous. They make this statement that I think is really great. said this, you're only as sick as your secrets. And, you know, I think that Jesus would look, and he would say, that's true, that's true, but I actually think that Jesus would take that statement, I think he'd take it a step further and I think Jesus would say this, I think he'd say you're only as strong as your secrets, that your strength is found here, that when you're in the quiet places, when you're in where no one else is watching, that that is where strength comes from. It comes from those spots in your life. You know, Usually when we think of someone's private life being exposed, when we think of this happening to someone, where what's in here is suddenly seen for everyone else, we always think of that in a negative sense, don't we? I mean, every time you read the news and you hear about someone's private life showing up in public, it's always a scandal or it's always something negative. You always see this happening. The bad stuff comes out. And they're like, oh, what a hypocrite. Look at all that stuff that's in their life. And I think what Jesus is saying is he's saying, listen, what if it was the opposite? What if you fostered a spot where you put good stuff in here? Imagine the holistic integrity and peace that that would bring to you. And so this is why Jesus says, I want you to practice this. This is the pattern. I want you to put good stuff in here, and I want you to fight to get the bad stuff out of here. And some of you are like, what about that? What does that look like? How am I supposed to get the bad stuff out of there? Who am I supposed to tell? How am I supposed to tell? How many people am I supposed to tell about the bad stuff in my life? And let me just tell you that for that, that is what confession is all about. And for confession, you're going to have to come back next week because that's what we're going to deal with all of next week. Together, Let's pray together. Well, Father, I just wanna say thank you that you love us and you care about us enough that you wanna deal with the most intimate part of who we are and who we are when nobody else is watching. Jesus, the truth is that you're there. And I pray that you'd help us to not be like the hypocrites, help us to be like true disciples who seek out holistic transformation in all aspects of our life, even in the quiet places as well. So, Father, I pray that even right now, you would give us a fresh vision for what this might look like in our lives. I pray that you'd help us to live by this and that, Lord, we'd be changed by it because this is a pattern that can change us. And so, Father, I pray that we take your words, that we would allow them to penetrate into our hearts and that they would transform themselves into our lives, that it wouldn't just be good things that we've heard but that it would result in the life that you desire for us. So Father, give us the wisdom to know how to live this pattern in our own lives and give us the courage to do it. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.